G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. On today's episode, we've actually got an in-person guest for the first time in God knows how long. We've got Hayden, aka Haydog, for those that have listened to the Centimate podcast, they would have heard him referenced a, a couple of times on there, and if they're a long-time listener, a few seasons back, they would have actually heard him on there. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. That's good, man. What's been going on? Oh, just keeping busy. Big weekend, like usual. <laughs> That's all, good. Always flat knackers. Do some fox shooting this weekend, did I see? Or was that... Uh, no, that was from my last trip down the southeast. Yeah, beautiful. Nice. It looked like a nice big red dog. Oh, there's there's plenty of them. Coming back, there's probably about 14 just big dead on the side of the road. So they're obviously coming back to plague proportions. So it's kind of a good thing for us fox shooters, but not so great for farmers. Yeah, I went out for a deer stalk the other weekend and I seen seen probably five five foxes. And the, they're just going in and out of the long grass, and didn't bug it if I could get a shot on them. But um, yeah, there was some definitely some big healthy ones. Well, funnily enough, like we'd obviously gone out for deer, and we no, not one of us saw anything this weekend. But they they were cutting a lot of firewood for the farm, and yeah. then they'd also moved all the stock just recently. So yeah. you know, it takes a couple of days before they start to make movement in those paddocks again. So we just thought, oh, we'll just go for a drive and just see what's around, because quite often you bump stuff and it just runs across the road in the car. But at least you know. Yeah oh, there's something around here. But I saw a weird movement up in front of the car because it was like right on just as it was going dark. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. That It looked like, like my missus said, oh, it looked like rabbits. I'm like, nah, it's moving more like a fox. So I got one of the little uh, Samba Stalker whistles. Yep. And yeah, just put the window down, gave it a quick blast and saw three sets of eyes. Yeah, beautiful. Turned the headlights off and another blast. And before I know it, they're right up at the car. Yeah, they seem to be all right. I um took one. I got one of those uh, whistles the other day from uh, Gun Dog Gear, and they um they sound all right. So I'm keen to get to Samba Country and see how they go. Well, it makes some good sounds. Uh, a couple of the boys reckon take the rubber ring off of them, okay, because they're yep. easier. But I haven't had issues with mine, so no. it's no, I guess it's preferential to yourself. Yeah, I watched a video on them the other day, and I was I was pretty much mimicking the the calls he was doing with them. So they don't. They don't seem too hard anyway. <laughs> oh, mine just make my dogs go ape shit, and I'm like, well, if it'll call my dog, then I'm sure it'll work with a fox. Oh, 100%. That kind of proved it. So, where are you from? Uh, originally born and raised mid-north, so Balaclava and Owen. Yep, beautiful. I just recently moved to Murray Bridge, so oh. kind of opposite direction. <laughs> How are you finding the rigid edge? That's oh, good. It's, it's still... It's a thriving country town, so it's like it's getting bigger. Yeah, and, you know we're getting the more chain stores there and whatnot, but it's not like Mount Barker where it's now you live in gutter to gutter with a bunch of city people that want the country, the country lifestyle. Life, yeah, but exactly. No, it's, it's still it's still far enough away that you're you're in country, so it's it's good. Typical, you move there and the gun shop closes though. Yeah, look, I <laughs> I reckon I cleared out every different Hornady size that he had over the two or three months to tight towards his closing because. He just these prices were so cheap, and I, I was telling him, I'm like, look, you could put these online for about forty five dollars more a box, and you'll sell them like hotcakes. Yeah. He's like, I know what I paid for them, and I'm still making money on that, and it'd feel wrong. And it's like, well, <laughs> what's what's the go with all these big chain stores that have these crazy prices? Then 
It's like if, he, if in the middle of it all he can still do these cheap prices, it's like why can't anyone else? They're open and he's not. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, at least it's not too far of a drive to your, your closest gun shop down at Mount Barker there. Oh, yeah. That, well, funnily enough, I didn't even know they were there. I just <laughs> I happened to be doing a, a job there at the um, the car park by the council and then my missus broke the lid on a Yeti drink bottle and I saw the big sign at the front. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go in and get a drink bottle lid and then walk in first thing I see is a massive sign that says firearms and I'm like, <laughs> got to go have a look. No, Cam in there does a uh, does a good job of running the stuff. He um, used to be my um, assistant manager at BCF in Mount Barker in that homemaker centre there. Oh, yeah. So um, him and another Cam will... He still works in there. Another cam that I worked with at BCF. He was, he was running the things in there um, beforehand. But yeah, they. It's a nice little shop. Um, keen to see the new store though. Yeah, look, it's. I was. All, I almost bit the bullet and bought a three fifty seven Marlin while I was there, but I don't have a need for it. It was just cool and shiny, and I'm a, a bit like a magpie when it comes to stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's, <laughs> it'd be nice, but I really just don't need it. Of course you do. Well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> So you just mentioned, what do you do for work? Uh, some electrician. So yep. Predominantly been industrial work. So doing lots of FIFO and Dido work in mining, but finally come back and done a bit more commercial. So just putting in EV charges at councils and that's given me work kind of all over. Yeah, beautiful. But keep keeps me busy. It's, it's always interesting doing commercial industrial, like domestic quite often gets repetitive because it's just, you know, replacing a light switch or a PowerPoint or putting up down lights or people that do a brand new build and don't want to go with the upgraded package. So then you're just upgrading all the stuff that should have been done right the first From time. The start, yeah, yeah, but no, nah, it's all right. Industry is good. Like these EV charges are just very different. Like it's just complete. It's its own niche work. But I've I've just come back from doing FIFO to start my own business. So I'm currently subcontracting and then getting into industrial agricultural work. Yeah, beautiful. So that's like doing pivot wiring and all the irrigation systems. So that's it's a very niche. That's that's why yeah. it's good to be rural because no, that's, that's where the work is. That's good, and you're yeah, pretty pretty centered for where you are doing that anyway. Yeah, it's not not a bad spot, and it's still close to where we hunt. So it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah. No, convenient it's, for that too. It's good, and I'll be able to hit you up over the summer months, and you can come out and finally smash some of those carp with me in those oh, backwaters. Been talking about it for about two years. Yeah, and I know. Still haven't made it happen. But well, we had uh, COVID and floods, floods, and <laughs> me, me not being in SA for yep. about a year. And then every time that I go up there, you're busy. <laughs> or you're coming up, and I'm heading down. The sets. Yeah, yeah pretty- <laughs> always the wrong wrong situations, but. Uh, we'll, we'll make it work and we'll get you out there behind the bow smashing some uh, mud marlin. I love love the good old mud marlin. It's, it's good fun. You'll, you'll absolutely throff on it. I've caught plenty. The The best fishing rod I have for, for catching mud marlin is we went to Love Day 4x4 Park and I forgot to throw a rod in because I did a space cadet move. <laughs> so went in Redmark, went to Big W and bought a $12 kids Jarvis Walker reel. Yep. And I threw some nice quality braid on it that was worth about 10 times a rod. And I take that everywhere <laughs> because it's just this like one and a half kilo rod. It's so flimsy, but you get a fight out of a, you know, 500 yeah. gram fish and it's like, it's actually a fight. So yeah, I, no. I've caught more fish on that than I have on my expensive rods because it comes with me everywhere. Nothing's better than shooting him in the face with a <laughs> with an arrow though. It's so much better than catching him on a rod. Yeah, well, I need to experience <laughs> it. So speaking of, how did you get into hunting and fishing? Well, specifically in the hunting, it would be through Batesy, so yep. the, the human Dorito. Because, <laughs> yeah, he, he had his block in Cherryville and was I was pretty much up there doing odd block work with him 
whenever I had free time and yeah, he got me out on his 22 precision trainer and kind of fell in love with shooting. And then, yeah, we started shooting rabbits and foxes from there. And how long yeah, ago was that? Uh, that would have been late 2019. Okay. So you're relatively new to, to hunting then. Yeah. And then dove in it and dump all my spare change into guns and bits and pieces. But that's what we like to hear. Yeah. It's, it's good <laughs> fun. It's addictive, but so your, your first, first animals were foxes and rabbits. Our uh, first were rabbits. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we shot lots of rabbits up there. Yeah, beautiful. But that that's good fun because a lot of properties these days they're just they're not around anymore. No, nah, none of my properties they're all pretty much gone. There's more hares than rabbits. We have hundreds at my house in Murray Bridge. So we're we got eighty acres in Murray Bridge East, like just the other side of the uh, road bridge. And yep. Yeah, there's just every night you go outside, just a little torch, and they're everywhere. But I got a kelpie that kind of likes to kill him himself so <laughs> yeah he's dwindled the numbers down around the house but you go out the back in the scrub and they're everywhere yeah like middle of the day just on the trot yeah there's heaps out there i go bow fishing towards that way and uh, there's definitely plenty and uh, you see like lots with markings all over their face little white crescent moons and all sorts of stuff um yeah, there's some there's some cool patterns out there yeah, genetically modified yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> they have to be from the bridge <laughs> oh yeah there's, there's something in the water up there for sure um. So, what was your first rifle? Uh, CZ four five five twenty two. Yeah, cool. Yeah, great. Still got it. Yep. Yep. I don't reckon I'll ever get rid of that because it's it's just accurate. You can shoot twenty two shells with it, fifty meters. And um, what other rifles you running? Uh, yep. So we'll go in order. I got a, a one seven seven air rifle, Diana model thirty six. Yep. Uh, the CZ twenty two, a twenty two BLR, two to three Ackley Rem seven hundred. Uh, two to three Typen, three away Bagara, three hundred Ticker, uh, Adler twelve gauge twenty inch, and my Beretta six eight seven. Beautiful. And what's your main deer stalking rifle there? Uh, if I had to just grab one that I was going to take three away, yeah, it just works. Like out of all my rifles, I haven't really messed with it. I've got a load that works for it, had a scope that works for it, and it's just set up so I don't mess with it. And are you reloading basically every one of those? Yep. Those centerfire rifles? Yeah, all my centerfires are reload for. And how do you find that? I I was I was having issues with the 223 AI, which we're chasing a tail with for a bit, but just turned out to be a dud scope. Okay. So I've since thrown a new scope on that. And last weekend I was out and I was, excuse me, just shooting everything with it left, right and center. Shot that fox with it. It's, it's finally working, which is great because I've put a stupid amount of money in it. And before I touched it, it would shoot a five cent piece at 100 meters every day of the week. <laughs> But that would only shoot because it was a one in twelve twist, so it was limited to fifty five grain. But now I can shoot seventy five through it. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, as much as it'll upset a lot of people because apparently they bounce off of birds. But that's <laughs> that'll be my my deer killing rig because they work. Mm-hmm. Mo- most of the guys use two D threes in our hunting group because they work. Yeah, yeah. So. It's it all depends on where you are on what the deer deer recommended calibers are. Here we don't have any legally recommended calibers, so. Yeah, it's more about what you're confident with making the ethical shot. Which yeah. My my first deer I shot was with my two two three with a fifty five grain pill, and it fell over in less than four meters because it's all about shot placement. Yeah, obviously exactly. I'm not not going to take that shot at say six or seven hundred meters. Yeah. But it's there's got to be there's got to be some onus on yourself to to take the ethical kill. So it's you know if I saw something that was out of the kill range of that, or you either make distance, or if someone else has got a bigger rifle, then they take the shot, or you take the shot with that, or you just have to leave it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it'll all it comes down on on the shooter as well. So uh, the rifle 
is only as good as the shooter behind it. So oh, there's, there's plenty, <laughs> plenty of people that don't don't realize how far a factory rifle can shoot as well. It's usually the idiot behind the trigger that's the limitation for most yeah. rifles because at the end of the day, it's a metal pipe that they they just work. Like it's it's the idiot behind it. Exactly. Being a relatively new hunter and shooter, um, what would be your top beginner tip for someone getting into hunting these days in Australia? Well, it's going to sound contradictory because this is going to end up on the internet, but don't listen to everything on the internet <laughs> because you'll go down so many of the wrong rabbit holes. The, the best advice I'd give is just find some people that you can go out with and test out their gear, see what they're running, and then make the decisions on your big purchases because I kind of went backwards with it. I spent a lot of money on guns and equipment and things that I've since sold or upgraded <laughs> and all sorts. So it's I could have saved a lot of money not going the roundabout method and putting it in the right places. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be go out, use other people's things. And to get out for the first time, you don't need camo and you don't need all this fancy gear. Supposedly deer only see like bright blues. So just yep, UV you know, lights. Go, go flat colours. And then, yeah, every, pretty well everyone's got a backpack you can use, just a pair of sneakers. Yeah, look, you're going to get wet, but if you're going out for your first time, you're probably not doing hundreds of thousands of Ks. So just kind of <laughs> rough it your first trip, but just take some basics and then work out quickly what you want to change. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. No, that's good. What about top five beginner items for someone getting in? If you could go back to the start and just pick five, five basic items, what would you get just to start out? Do you want specific brands and things or just like general categories? Well, general categories of those five items, but then yep. jump into what you're running in those. All right, so my big number one would be binos because I I ran cheap binos. I ended up getting a set through cleavers for free, <laughs> like one of the ad cart orders. It was $0, so yep. I had to set a little Bushnell 8x40s and they were dreadful. Terrible. Yep. But I'd rather have dreadful binos than no binos yep. because there's been times when I'll take my missus out and she'll take money. I got done back 10 by 42s now yep. and she'll often take them and then I'll sit there playing with the old ones. It's like, <laughs> I'd rather be looking through something than nothing, yep. but quality binos. You, you can run yourself a good set like the Diamondbacks, about 400 bucks and you will hunt with them for years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then again, you get lot, lifetime warranty with Vortex and whatnot. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's not, not a bad buy, but definitely binos up first. Uh, quality boots yeah, because that's the next thing. Yeah, but you can deal with getting wet feet every now and then, but when you do start doing some Ks, you will you'll know about it quick. So you want... Want, want good boots, um, a, a pack, but again, you can get away with just a basic backpack, but something to carry your gear in. Uh, a decent knife, like you can get things like the Opti Hunting Knives or F-Dicks or whatever you want to call them. They're like 20 bucks a piece and just one of those when it's sharp, you can do a whole deer with it. They're good, but you need a pouch to carry those, them in. You nah, know, that's the, that's it, the it, one nah, thing. It comes with a sticker that says not to be operated by fuckwits, <laughs> so you're just going to take that with a pinch of salt and not... And not cut yourself with it, like me, as everyone probably does. You pull it out. I cut myself with it in the kitchen within about two seconds of picking it up because I'm like, I wonder how sharp this is. Oh, yeah, sharp. You don't want that loose in your bag. I've got a, I've had a couple of glues and stitches, a couple of loose knives in the hunting pack. So, yeah, <laughs> you want a good knife roll or something with them? Yeah, for I think mine were about 150 for the roll with the steel, the yeah. um, ball knife, everything. But I wish I bought that earlier because I end up getting another known knife from the, the hype of the internet again, and that was over $200 I could have put elsewhere because it's like, <laughs> it looks cool, but it's not it's not what it's made out to be. Those ball knives are the, the best when it comes to skinning. Oh, I did most of that fox with it, surprisingly, because yeah. it's 
by the time you've split down the legs and I did the stick method with the tail, it's like the rest of it you can pretty much just peel off. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, they they're quality knives, that's for sure. I think that was only four items. Number five would be water storage, because anyone that knows anything about Australia, you don't go anywhere without water. What are you running a camel pack or are you running like a bladder yeah, or a drink a, bottle? I got a three and a half liter bladder. Yeah. Uh, have multiple of the different uh, kidney bottles and the bigger rectangular um, plastic army bottles. Yeah. So it depends on how far we're going and what time of year it is. Because if it's middle of winter, I usually just throw a one liter kidney bottle in. But if it's middle of summer and it's you know high thirties and low forties, it'll be the two liter. Because you know worst case, every paddock we're in has got a trough, so yeah. you won't walk more than about two k's in any direction, and you can get drinkable water. But you know you don't want to be drinking out of troughs because southeast during the during the winter those pretty pretty moist so yeah, there's water it's, everywhere. It's not bad, but it's, <laughs> I, I still carry plenty of water because I'm also immune compromised. I'm I'm diabetic, yeah. So I like to make sure I'm I'm good on that aspect because there's times where I'll drink liters and liters in a day. So I'm sure there'll be some good stories coming out later in the podcast about that that have been told on other podcasts. <laughs> oh, it depends which of the stories we've heard. <laughs> um. What about your pack? What are, what are you running pack wise? Uh, so I got the Spike, a sixty liter pack. So got a got a really good deal on that. And yep. I've been running one of Josh's old packs in the army. That's gone through. I think Caleb had it, then Ryan had it, then it got back to Josh, and then I got it. <laughs> and it was completely clean when I got it, surprisingly. And yeah, all it took was one trip when I got my first deer, and now it's covered in blood. Yeah, and it's just it's stained in as like a nice brown camo now. So I'm like, oh well, just <laughs> leave it as is. But no, I got got a good deal. On that, so upgraded the spiker pack, and it's it's so comfortable because yeah. it just the 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 old pack was you know it worked. Was it one of those old square army packs with no support in them? Or oh no, I had a frame, but okay. it was it's one of the ones that you don't just adjust. It's yeah. one you meant to take out and put the right frame piece in. It's obviously one that's designed for a short Dorito, so <laughs> it doesn't exactly fit someone my size. Yeah. So, but hey, I made it work. And then for you're, now, you're at least two and a half Josh's higher. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a comment. Oh, yeah, but look at my arms. <laughs> uh, classic. Um, what else are you carrying in your bag while you're out? Oh, so I take, I take my full knife roll with me because yep. on the property we hunt, it's, you're not really walking more than about six k's in any direction. So yep. I, can, I don't mind having a bit of weight in it. And it kind of makes the... Because it's kind of a cylindrical pack. So by having that up one half of my pack, it kind of gives it a more rigid support on the back. So if I'm carrying out a deer and it's on the actual pack itself, yep. it kind of just has more like, rigidness to yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I throw in a hoochie. I got a puffy that's like the size of a pillow. Just one of like the, I don't know what breed they are, but yeah, one of the little puffies that folds up to a pillow. Uh, heaps of snacks. I've always got uh, protein bars, muesli bars, lollies, all that sort of gear because that's, you know, kind of, kind of requirement for someone like myself yep yep part of being diabetic um, you just got a head torch my waistband a couple of spare knives and then one of the what was it work smart knife sharpeners i think they are they're okay. like a yep. multi-sided they're yep. yellow and black they're they're not bad but yeah awesome it's kind of become obsolete now that i've got the steel in this set yeah there's the optic knives so but yeah i haven't taken it out because it's it's there with another knife because oh yeah i've got that many knives in there it's not funny because it's it's one of those things that once you get there if you start blunting and whatnot, you just want to keep going. So I've always got sharp knives. They're always sharpened before I go out. I was trying to think what else. Oh, yeah, dunny roll, lighter. That's that's Aracol. important, dunny roll. And then uh, Bates, he actually bought, like Dorito, he bought these little uh, hooks. You can throw a loop over a tree, put this hook through it, and it's kind of like a one-way pulley. So you yeah. pull your paracord through it, tie a deer to it, 
make a makeshift gambrel and then pull it up in a tree. So if you're yeah, going to do it out there, then yeah, you can get away with that. So I carry that. That thing weighs like, I don't know, 10 grams. So light. Yeah, cool. Well, you'll have to send us a photo of that one. I don't think I've seen that one. But yeah, I carry a plastic gambrel with me and that, that works a treat. Some decent bit of rope because most places I'm hunting are big, big gum trees. Yep. You have to launch them a fair way up before you can start. Yeah, I've, I've seen some funny videos of people throwing drink bottles and all sorts and getting them lobbed up in the tree and you just <laughs> stuck your $40 Nalgene bottle up there and it's going for a climb. <laughs> um, what about Rangefinder? What are you running Rangefinder-wise? Oh, so I'm a bit of a tight ass when it comes to some things. Um, so I was, I was always hunting with Batesy, so he had his Vortex LRF. And then I ended up buying a Bob Lov while I was drinking with the Sasquatch one okay, night. So yep. that's a, a $97 wish.com special. And then I put it up against a few of the other boys' range finders within like one or two yards over 800 metres. Bloody sassy. So nope. they work great. And funnily enough, he's bought one now as well. So <laughs> they do work great. I haven't charged it since I bought it, which was, yeah, probably about 18 months or two years ago. A chargeable one. Yeah. So no battery. That's, that's handy. Yeah, they're, well, they're, they run the 18650s or whatever they are, but you can also put a triple double A's or double, yeah. triple triple A's or whatever they are. It's got the cage for it as well, but yeah. I don't carry that with me. It's at home in a drawer somewhere. Because, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't need it. They just It's been, yeah, nearly two years and I've never charged it. Charged it when I first got it. but You're not getting out enough? No, it gets used <laughs> every time I'm out. And it, it, it has all these other settings too. It's got like a golf mode. And then you can use it as a um, like a speed camera as well. Yeah. So like I was the, the first day I got it, I sat outside for like half an hour. Every car that come down the street, it's like, oh yeah, they're doing this speed, and then someone's flying down the street. It's like, oh yeah, they're going pretty quick. But yeah, it's it's not bad. It's got like the yeah, the speed detector in it, and all sorts of other stuff that you just don't need in an yeah. RF. But you can see how fast the deer are cruising around when. <laughs> pretty much try try and catch one of the bullets coming out again. Yeah, who needs a um? What are they? The Speed Raiders, Lab Raider. You don't need a Lab Raider, just use a Bob <laughs> Good luck finding the bullet. <laughs> what about zombie apocalypse weapon? What are you running? Well, I've got a massive chainsaw. Well, I've got a 30-inch bar and an old Magnum chainsaw, so <laughs> probably that. But I've seen the episode of Mythbusters where they tested it and they were saying to use like a massive battle axe. So if I was, was going to go make a weapon, I'd probably make some sort of forged battle axe. But what I've got right now, it'd be my big chainsaw. <laughs> no. That'd work. Yeah, I'd make a skin uh, skin suit face out of a zombie's flesh. <laughs> Speaking of, have you seen um, the new Twisted Metal? I have not. No. I've, I've seen I started the, watching that today. I saw the trailer for it and I'm like, this looks pretty good. But I got about 15, 20 minutes into it this morning and I'm just like, oh man, just watching it, it's bringing childhood memories back from playing the game as a kid. Pretty wild. Oh, it's so good. Did you ever play the, the game? No. Oh. I was too busy playing hit and run. <laughs> nah, it was so good. And NFS Underground too. Yeah, this is before before those games. This yeah, yeah. is PlayStation One. Oh, just, you're you're a bit younger, so I was to say I'm I'm only just turned twenty five. Just, <laughs> just to the listeners, because yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a young guy. I'm an old soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you forgotten on a hunting trip? What have I forgotten? Probably the misses. <laughs> I le- left her at home a few times and I seem to hear about that for the preceding week what about gear wise no the worst I've, I've left my bowl and my mag home for my 20 oh it was only the 22 which we just shoot around at camp but still annoying but other than that I'm, I've got lists just tick the That's same cool. list off every time 
Is no. it like a physical list on your phone or printed no, it's list? A, it's a paper list, and each time I just put a different coloured uh, text line through it. So it's <laughs> it's pretty filth. But these these days you don't really need to look at it because I've just, got range cases, and it's like what goes in here, and then you check and double check you got bolts and mags. It's like all right, I'm not I'm not making that mistake again. <laughs> and then my, my fridge and all my twelve volt gears permanently attached to my ute. So yeah, beautiful. That sort of things fine. And then my packs always like pack ready to go. It's just fill it up with water and head out with new snacks. But that's why I run snacks that last forever. Because, you know, you can throw some muesli bars in. We'll buy more for the next trip, which is to go in the camp box. And I'll rotate them out. Like, oh, yeah, I'll just eat these ones first because they're older and go from there. Perfect, perfect. What's the most important item you take out when you... Probably my insulin pump. <laughs> I'm not getting far without that. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'd pre- like, it'd have to be a rifle because I'm not, I'm not much of a bow hunter. I've got the old Martin Jaguar, but... I'm, I'm not much of a shot past about 25, 30 metres with that thing, so... Oh, the old Jaguar's good. I've got the Martin Jaguar and the recurve just there, sitting on the wall. Very nice. I like that the risers are completely interchangeable for them. Yeah, no, they're good. They yeah, but kill my, those. Yeah, mine has supposedly killed a lot of pigs. I got it yeah. gifted to me for my 21st. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, been used for many years, but still works. Have you gotten anything with it yet? I shot a few rabbits, but yep. they're they're all close range because yeah, just leave the headlights of the car and they sit there stunned, and you can walk within about five ten meters of them and. Doom. Yeah, beautiful. No, no long stalks like Sasquatch on on game. <laughs> and still misses. <laughs> <laughs> Jumping fence and running through creeks, and there's still nothing there. Sh- <laughs> shooting cat stumps. Uh, crazy bastard. Um, what about the most sketchy, dangerous thing that's happened to you while you've been out? Dangerous. Not a lot. Just po- hunting with pointer. It's always going to be a questionable time as to what's going on. There's been a few of those stories on here. <laughs> oh, look, you know, Sassy always gets pretty pretty fired up. Like the, the trip where he was chasing after deer as I've watched them disappearing into the, the sun about two k's behind us and he's running the opposite <laughs> direction over fences and smashing his knees up and all sorts. That's questionable, but it's not really, it's not really dangerous. It's just... Sketchy, because that's him. But hey, once once you got your mind onto it, he's he's going. For anyone that doesn't know who these names are, Poita, Sassy, Dorito, um, jump onto the earlier episodes of Senate Mate podcast, and um, if you start listening from the start, you'll um, get a good idea of who who all of these people are and who how Hey Dog ties in and. Um, the earlier episodes of this podcast, you got Rich um, and a bunch of the other guys. So we're just one big, tight knit, happy hunting family. Yeah, exactly. Just slowly well, building the hunting community in South Australia bigger and better. Well, SA is small enough as it is, let alone SA hunting community. So it's it's hard not to just like bump into other people. So yeah, that's that's where those people come from. They're all they're all other good mates of the channel. Yeah, we've we've all built a community around it. You know, the Senate mate guys started it off and um you know they had me on the podcast they had hey dog on the podcast and a bunch of the other guys that we've mentioned they've either been hosts on the podcast or guests on the podcast and um yeah the community is just growing and growing yeah it's good to see it's putting it's putting different people's ideas and opinions to light and there are more and more people that don't hunt or don't really know about hunting they're getting onto it some people get discouraged from it because some sometimes we we sound a bit rough but then other people listen into it and go, oh, there's, there's actually normal, real hardworking people in behind hunters. It's not just a bunch of gun crazy people. 
So a question that I get quite a bit through Instagram um, from SA-based guys, are you a member of the um, the ADA in the southeast? Yep. Yep. Can you give a rundown on what um, is involved joining the ADA? What do you have to do? There's different points and different hunts and so counts I, and stuff you have to do. Can you give a rundown on that? So this is my first year as a point securing member. So I can't hunt any of the properties this year. I okay. can only gain points. So yep. I signed up at the very start of the year. You just go on the website, uh, select your branch, pay your money, wait for confirmation. The confirmation email can take a fair while. Yep. It's, it's a slow process. It can take five or six weeks before you get that. Um, and then you need to acquire a minimum of four points to be able to hunt the following season. Yep. Plus your hunting, I think it's about $350 for your hunting fee. Uh, so you pay that, you make your points, and then, then you can hunt select properties. So the ADA either leases different properties, they own one or two properties, I believe, and you've got access to them depending on what level of a member you are. Yep. Um, and it's, that's based on how many years you've been there and make sure you get your points. But once you've got your points and you can hunt, you need to get your compulsories before you can go for anything, like a trophy. So you yep. get a, actually a required doe and fawn each year and present the jawbones to be assessed. Okay. And that's just to manage numbers then? Yeah. Yep. So that's that's to fall in line with, yeah, with their management plans and whatnot that they have to conform to. And what's the point system? Like, what uh, do you have to do to get points? So you've got different working bees and other things as part of their management plan. So, for instance, we've got deer counts. Yep. So you go out for a deer count, you get a point. And then after you've done the count, you have to go to a meeting so that we can bring all the numbers back and then just discuss general things. There's there's usually four of those a year. What goes into a deer count through the ADA? In what regards? Like what do you what oh, do you do so on a deer count? Do? Oh, so yeah, you you get up there the night before, set off before first light, head out to different paddocks. Like we were, yep. there's hundreds of guys all split up in different blocks and different like sections, and you're just going out with a piece of paper and a small group, and you're literally just counting deer numbers. So you're counting for different species of your trophy animals. Are uh, you tallying it on a piece of paper? Yeah, or, yeah you got or a yeah. clipboard and a piece of paper. Okay. So then yeah. you're looking for, um, I think I think there's one that's coal heads, but then you've got fawns, uh, does, and then spikies as well. Okay. So it's just to try and work out what sort of numbers they got there because obviously they want to get rid of the worst of the herd because they're trying to, as much as they're trying to manage and control, they're obviously also wanting to make the nicest animals they can. Yeah. And then, yeah, then once you've got your numbers, you'll come back, have a meeting, present all the numbers, work out what we've got, and then decide whether or not we need to do a cull sheet for managing those numbers. Yeah, so do you get like a point for a deer count or two yep. points? Yep. so or? you get one point for the count, one point for the meeting, yep. and there's four of those a year. So to be able to get your points for the year, you pretty much go to two counts and you're covered. Okay, and, and then, how many points do you need to hit a trophy? I believe it's seven or eight. Okay. It's, I think it's gone up by one. I think it was three and seven last year and it's now four and eight. Yeah. As in for this year, for next year's hunting. Uh, so it's so you, you earn your points in one year and you hunt the year after. Do you burn points like every hunt you go on or...? I don't believe so. That? I believe it's just a threshold you have to meet okay. to be able to get for that. Yeah, so once you get those, you can yeah, then shoot. It pretty much unlocks your perks to be able yeah, to, cool. to hunt whatever's in that category. Because I've heard the Senate Mate boys talk a lot about it, but I haven't heard them go into specific details in what's actually involved. Well, there's lots of other ways to earn points too. Like, for instance, they had one that was just over the border, which was repairing a fence for a farmer. Okay. But they were, that was making money because pretty much he couldn't get guys to work. So they offered it to us, and then he was going to pay the branch X amount of money for us to go repairing fences. 
So then that brings more money back into our budget. So there was guys going and doing that and they were getting excessive amounts of points for that because they're driving to Victoria. Okay, yeah, So I think cool. that was like a four-point weekend for them to go over and just twitch some fences. So we've got things like that. There's the servicing of the camp vehicles because there's vehicles on the properties because yep. we can't drive as... Because it's introducing different weeds yep. and things to the paddocks. So we've got different vehicles on the properties. Uh, firewood cutting because that's not allowed outside of season. We have to do it to their like, ADA, ADA guidelines. So yep. we'll have days we cut up firewood. We'll have days where we clear like the roads around it. Just all those sort of things, they all occur different amounts of points. And then the meetings, each meeting you go to is worth a point. And what, what type of thing is involved in the meetings? What's what's going on? Oh, they, they talk about budgets. They talk about the pressure they're getting from like political and different parties and about the management programs and culling programs and all the things they're trying to push and just trying to report back to us and get our feedback in those regards. Speaking of the culling, have you um, seen any of the helicopter culling or anything going on down there or just stories from other well, people? I, I got videos the other week. So we were, we're out on a private block, which neighbours, one of one of the properties from ADA called Jack's Hut. So we were, we were on this neighbouring property and we get, we'd hear a chopper. So all, all of us pulled out our phones, we're recording, we're hidden in the scrub, they would have had no idea we were there because we are just glassing yeah. out into a big field. Flies over like a fair distance in height, comes low straight over our property, which they shouldn't have been on, pushed all of the livestock, because there's lots of livestock in these properties, pushed them all hard up against the fences. They would have seen where our vehicles were parked on the corner of the paddock we were yeah. in, come back around, and they were hovering directly over the tree line above us, pushed all the stock in the next paddock across, and then were hovering over Jack's hut, which is an ADA block. Yeah, wow. So I've re- I recorded all of it, and that's that's gone back to the ADA president to see what they can deal with there, because the, there's no... From what I've heard, this could be complete BS, but what I've heard is they weren't supposed to be over there till around September. But the, the fact that they're there and they're flying as low as they were and you could see them curving in and out of trees just trying to push anything in and out. And, you know, they got they got open doors. Yeah. It's like, are they planning on shooting? we got no idea. We're just sitting out there in a property we know we can hunt and there's choppers flying overhead and, yeah, what's what's the go? It's, yeah, there's, there's um, lots of different stories that come out. It'll be interesting to see how... Things are dealt with that type of thing over the next. Well, yeah, few, I can send you some of the skippers. Yeah, that would be that'd be great if if I could post them up. And um, I've actually our past guest is uh, doing an article on South Australian deer culling and verse management. Um, so that should be out. I'm not sure when, but um, well, yeah, I'll be sharing that once that's out. He's he's chasing videos and pictures and that for that. So yeah, no, I can send them all through as well. That's fine. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough subject. It's you know this management versus cut, well, like, eradication. It re- really is crazy because you know in one minute they're going, oh, we 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 need to ban duck hunting because it's unethical and our numbers are are so low. Even though with the floods they're thriving. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other hand, it's like no, we need to we need to cull all the deer. It's like well, what is it? Are we we culling everything? Are we allowing things to live? What's, it's it's a hard it's subject a, because the ducks are native. And the deer are introduced, um, so I can get where they're coming from from that side of things. But it's also sustainable. It is, but you know, I've there's a podcast episode that I recommend going back to listening to. Um, it's a episode with Dan from yeah, Eureka Dan Tactical, yeah. um, and he dives right into the biologist side of stuff, like all the biology and. Yeah. Um, um, I haven't heard him on here. I've heard him on Senate, mate. Yeah. And that's where we got the term 
edible biomass. Yeah. We love that one. Because, <laughs> yeah, because it makes you wonder with the amount of culling that's happening down the southeast at the moment and the fact that our fox population is through the roof, what the impact on culling all the deer is having on that. Yeah, it's... It's talked about with foxes, cats, wild dogs, wild dogs in the high country. So, but we—that's uh, that's one thing that we really want to go down the rabbit hole of. We're we're hoping that with ADA that we can get onto the ground clear up crew when they do have the choppers there. Yeah. And I believe part of that is so that we can show what's left because they're not killing every deer. We're we're finding multiple deer that have been through some serious pain from it later on when you when you're hunting on the properties because you know the ground crew miss things. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's just a waste. It's a massive waste of resources, especially with, you know, we've got the, the price of everything's gone crazy and, you know, taking, taking these animals that we're, we're paying for hunting rights for, we're feeding their families, we're feeding their friends and it's, it's one of the best lean meats you can eat. It is. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, such it's, a, it's such a difficult, hard subject. Like um, I seen an Instagram post the other day um, this is just my my opinions on the post is that they've gone almost like anti-hunting tactics to try and like attack the attack at all and it's it's just so hard like we need to be putting better thought and not just use like big words and like you know stuff like beautiful and you know they're killing these beautiful animals it's like that's you know, if we're arguing, making that argument for them killing it from a helicopter, what's not like? Why won't the anti-hunters use that against us? Yeah. For you know, we're we're upset that they're killing them because we want to go out and kill them. Like yeah. it's it's such a hard hard. It's a slippery t- slope, that's for sure. It's yeah, it's it's a rabbit hole. We've chatted about it here. You know, we all see it over Instagram, and it's just we need to find the the right approach you know i was chatting to um sam the trapman the other day on on the last episode and you know he he brought up a few great points had the hunting community over there in new zealand um actually work with the government and you know they've actually got a presence in the government where they can fight for this type of stuff you know they're yeah, it's, it's what's needed but like we've I've heard it across many different podcast platforms and things. We're just we're not aligned on this, and it's it's something we need to be aligned on because when we've got all these different parties doing their own thing, we're never going to find that that clear middle ground. Yeah, and that's the thing because it's such a difficult subject. Everyone varies on it slightly, so it's hard to, it's hard to stand find behind ground. that middle ground. Um, you know, because there's the guys that just want like you chat to some people and they. You know, I only hunt because they're introduced feral species. And, you know, the other people that, you know, I respect these animals, even though they're an introduced feral species. Yeah. It's just so, so touchy. Yeah. It's it's hard to back the right horse. <laughs> yeah. I Like, I wouldn't be who I am without deer on the landscape. And I want there to always be deer on the landscape. We pretty well just live on venison these days. Yeah. It's, it's in every meal. We're having it at least five nights a week. So it's like for that to go, and it's and the plus it's the cost too. Yeah, you're, you're paying thirteen dollars for some crap beef mints from the shops these days, and it's half full of water. Like yeah. the, the mints we make, it's mints. Like we don't, we don't cut it with any other fat. We just yeah. have straight. That's medicine. that's exactly what I do. I, I don't see why people need to cut it. It it tastes tastes awesome without having to cut it with other 
other fat. Well, depending on how you're cooking it as well. Like for instance, we we use we eat, we eat taco and spaghetti pretty well yep. every week, and we'll have other people around, and they would they wouldn't have a clue unless I said it was. Yeah. They're yeah. like, oh, this this tastes amazing. It's like, yeah, that's venison, and yeah, it blows a lot of their minds. But now they get a few people that come around, they just expect it, and it's like, what's this? It's like, what was this made with? It's like, oh, we use beef tonight. It's like, what? Why'd you, why'd you buy this? Like... <laughs> yeah, that, that, it definitely gets like that after a bit. But moving to lighter notes anyway, what's the funniest thing that's happened to you while you've been out? Funniest thing would definitely be Ryan trying to jump a fence when yeah, he's jump, jumped over a timber strainer post instead of just opening the gate that was about a metre to his left or right. I don't know, whatever side... Excuse me. Yeah, it was about a metre away from him. Decided to try and jump the fence. Leg caved out and he smashed his knee full pelt into it and then walked with a limp for about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is when he was running in the complete opposite direction to where the deer were as well because, yeah, he's just beelining. So for anyone that doesn't know who Ryan is, Ryan is who the we... The Sasquatch. Sassy, who we referred to. He's a former host of the Senate Mate podcast. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's an absolute legend. Funny, funny bloke. Oh, I've been been doing a fair bit of uh, contract work with him, so we're having a lot of a lot of laughs on site and I bet. all sorts of silly things. Because he's he's got this uh, one saying that you know whenever he wants to measure something, he'll say, "Oh, just throw a tape across that." So in my brain, I just grab my tape measure off my tool belt, just throw it across whatever he said. <laughs> he told me to run run a tape over something the other day and I had an excavator, so I threw my crap tape measure into the dirt and ran straight over at the excavator. He's just sitting there like shaking his head. <laughs> Just trying to pin him with all these silly things. Like he asked me to find him a wood blade for his recip saw. So I go to the, the box that's full of them. I'm like, nah, man, they're all made of metal. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you asked for a wood blade. They're all metal. Like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like, you know, you just have such a dry day. And I, I can't stand that. Like, a bunch of bloody clowns. Well, work's just boring and miserable otherwise. So it's, you, you got to have a laugh because otherwise everything's just dead serious and you end up getting frustrated and it's, you know, at least having something like pack the day up and have a bit of fun. Oh, I'm taking the piss out of everyone and everything when I'm at work just to liven up the day. Yeah, get through it because, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a third of your life overall. And yeah. If you're miserable for a third of your life, then, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, like, you just got to laugh and take the piss out of things and, and people. Have a good time. <laughs> That's probably probably a good segue to talk about our new venture too. Yep, jump straight into it. So uh, myself and Sassy the Sasquatch, okay, Ryan, are doing our own podcast. So that's Outdoors and Beyond. And we've been putting that in the pipework since around December last year. It's been documenting the process, making lots of videos and all sorts. We've got a small back, back catalogue at the moment. So that should be coming out in the next four to six weeks. Yeah, so. awesome. So this, this episode will air pretty much... Straight away, this is Sunday night, it'll air Tuesday, so four to six weeks, keep an eye out, and that's going to be available everywhere. Yeah, that'll be, I uh, believe it'll be on Spotify, as well as things like Buzzsprout and everywhere else on the, the interwebs for your listening pleasure. And that's your hosting site, Buzzsprout, that's who you're, you're running with? Yeah. Yeah, cool. How are you finding, well, you haven't uploaded anything, well, so, haven't published anything yet. Oh, I, I have zero experience with that side of things. That's that's all been handballed to Ryan, I've been... Doing other crazy things like making logos and sorting out the other social side of things, which and that's something you wouldn't show me, you bastard. Yeah, we've well, been chatting about it. Well, oh, shit, how long has this been in the works for on this podcast? You've been yeah since December. You've been talking about it since December, and you and I have been chatting about it. I'm like, come on, come on, because originally it was supposed to be a three host. Yeah, so we've we had a few hiccups along the way, and that's that's been documented, and we'll be, that's podcasting. Yeah, like we'll be we'll be going into depth with all the all of that. 
in the the first couple of episodes and whatnot. But yeah, I, f- I feel like that's just part of any venture. You know, there's going to be hiccups along the way. I've been working away, which has kind of delayed this because when we've been trying to catch up, I've been in the middle of nowhere yeah. and we we tried doing one uh, phone uh, episode and just for an early episode, the sound quality wasn't wasn't where we wanted it to be. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to provide quality listening. So we've got the best gear. There was no point on devaluing it by going over a phone call and where I was staying in Moomba, it's sketchy phone reception. So <laughs> it just amplifies everything 10 times worse. So yeah. I was like, nah, I'm going to wait till I'm home. So, and what's the general gist of the podcast? Like what's, what's the running time going to be? What, what it's kind of covered it in the title, but what's it going to be about? So specifically it's, it's outdoors and beyond yeah. beyond is the aspect of using the outdoors and your activities to, either promote positive mental health or to deal with your mental health issues because it's it's much it's much of a taboo subject these days there's plenty of blokes out there that have got mental health issues or have had them and they battle their own the battle by themselves it's more just about to bring light to it and yeah try and put a positive spin on sorting out your sorting out your mental health and enjoying the outdoors with your mates and both of you and Ryan Sassy are absolute clowns, so I'm sure it's going to be an absolute laugh. Oh, our first few episodes have gone down a lot of the wrong rabbit holes because at least, you know, with, with your podcast, you seem to take, keep it on a well, well-tight ship. But when you've got myself and Ryan on the mics, we just bounce left, right and centre down all these rabbit holes and before you know it, you're in a war and five k's away. So, but provide some good laughs and, yeah, we go go down on plenty of different strange topics and ramble about politics and and uh, yeah after your first couple episodes i'm sure i'll get you and ryan both on so we can uh, promote it a little bit more and bump up that listener group and just so everyone gets a decent rundown of what what you two are like together yeah we'd appreciate that um are you doing guests are you uh yeah we we want to go into guests down the track we just want to so we've got a mate that was going to come on originally as a host so we're going to get him on get him to tell his story because it feels like it's like paying homage to him because he was a part of the early days and then, you know, circumstances have changed and he can't be a part of it. So, we're yeah. like, you know, he's going to be our first guest. And then from there, we've got, we've got a fair fair big uh, list of guests that we want to get on. Are you just doing in-person guests or are you going to do, um, like, Zoom teams? At uh, this, this point, we'd prefer in-person because as we did have with the, the experience with my phone calls, they weren't great, but it could have a big factor on that being bad reception yeah. so we need to like test and play with that and find out what we can do to up the quality a bit because yeah that's that's the main thing we wanted to put out good quality listening no that's awesome and is it audio and video uh we've been videoing the most of the early days like actually making excuse me making of the podcast because that's the that's the bit that's usually not shown because it's just <laughs> rough and scratchy and sketchy and all sorts of weird malfunctions and trying to learn to use the roadcaster and all of these different things. But we've, we've videoed a lot of that. So we're just going to put some raw unedited stuff on YouTube and yeah, try and, try and put that out there so everyone else can have a laugh at us and go like, what are these idiots doing? But yeah, beautiful. Hey, it's, it's all part of it. Cause it's, it's to show that, you know, a lot of them are, they're, they're very polished. We want to be as unedited and raw as possible yeah. to show. That's what I try and do with this. And the more I do it, the less edited it is. So, you know, I might stuff up a word or or something. That, like at the start, you know, I oh, I sound like a bit of an idiot here mispronouncing this or, you know. Yeah, that's just part of the Doubling laughs. back, you know. I So I used to edit that stuff out and now I just, you know, go much more with the flow. 
Yeah, just roll with it. It gives us something to roast you with online, T. So oh, exactly. Today. Cody with his memes. He's just oh, started. they're beautiful. <laughs> he's just started the, um, the oh, what is it? Australian season. podcasting memes. The season big memes seven or memes whatever it is. for Senate, mate, were quite funny. Oh, I, I lost it. That was beautiful. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen that, you've got to go what? jump online and find that. What's Cody's um, new meme page? Cody's big game shit posting. <laughs> Oh, it, was, it was freaking hilarious, but yeah, that first one where he's talking about how um, the Senate might need to start picking their guests. Absolutely lost it. Do you want another one? Oh, I'd love another. We're on the Mercury Hearts tonight. <laughs> yep. Shit. Crushed raspberries. Uh, Caleb was drinking it on their last episode of uh, Senate Mate. So, um, yeah, that's, that's mainly what I drink. I get some shit for drinking them, but I think they go down well. Well, I discovered uh, Solo, mate. The hard, the hard crush one. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's dangerous though. It just tastes like regular Solo. Yeah, nah. Yeah. I, I reckon I'd yeah get pretty pretty off the face. At least at least these I can because they're what two point four standard drinks a can. They're pretty pretty brutal. Yeah, they go down quite <laughs> nice. They do, they do. But um, yeah, you know if you. <laughs> You listen to the episodes around when I went and shot my red stag. I pulled up rough trying to drink a can for can with it, you know, a drink for drink with Hainsey and the boys. <laughs> and I, I, I got pretty written off that weekend. Yeah, that's my, <laughs> my weekend with Hainsey. Oh, we had Mel Hunts as well that weekend. But yeah, me, me and Hainsey went through five cartons that weekend and probably did about 75Ks on foot. That's brutal. <laughs> oh, it, was, it, was, it was a good weekend. Put in plenty of skill. And then, yeah, my. My insulin pump ended up having issues by the end of that. And then by the Tuesday morning, I was in hospital. So that was fun. So he's, <laughs> yeah. he's killed two people out there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been pretty pretty rough out there. So if you want to jump in with it or not, with being a diabetic and going out, what type of, apart from just the insulin pump and, you know, some lollies to keep the blood sugar up, what else are you doing while you're going out in the field? Well, I've got to watch. So doing physical exercise naturally lowers your blood sugar. So I've got to keep an eye on that. And then it's kind of a bit of a, a walking science experiment to keep all those things in check. But it's not really that great. Like I've had had diabetes since 2020 now. So it's been, yeah. been a couple of years. Like I've kind of learned the way my body works with it. Uh, but it's more just taking spare supplies and manual needles. Like that was my issue on that trip. I pretty much had the, the cannula just... Heated and cooled and done all sorts of weird stuff. Closed over. It wasn't yep. wasn't injecting anything. So now it's just it's making sure that I carry spare supplies and also manual injections in case the electronic side of things stuffs up. And you have to keep them cold, don't you, as well? Oh, look, it says you're supposed to, but I've I've had some that, like some uh, insulin pens that live in the door of my ute. Okay. And I've used them when I've needed them as like a backup. So if you went maybe, and done a backpack hunt and you just chucked them in the back here, that'd be fine. That'd be fine. Yeah. Yep. But you, you can get um, these cool pouches. You can put them in like, that are specifically designed for it. And they make these like electronic battery. It's pretty much a mini fridge you can put your insulin pen in. And but, what struggles have you had to overcome with going out into the field with that? Because the years leading up to the diagnosis, you had some some rough... Well, it was... I pretty much got diagnosed the very start of 2020, well, middle of 2020... And that was as I was getting into the shooting side of things. Yeah. So I only really target shooting, but I would notice I, my blood sugar could crash from walking from Josh's house when he had it in Cherryville, like 250 meters up the hills to go shooting. And I could just completely crash in that time. Yeah. 
So I was just trying to learn because like my body was still somewhat working, but then I had the pump doing its thing and it was just overlapping. But now that my pancreas has completely stopped, it's a lot easier to manage because it doesn't have these random spare at the moment hits. Yeah. Uh, but the worst I've had out hunting was when myself, Josh and Couchy ended up shooting our three bucks. We were carrying them out on branches. We hadn't had breakfast. It was about 10.30, nearly 11 o'clock by the time we're packing them out. And I was crashing. Like I needed to eat something. And we got almost the whole way back with uh, Couchy's deer. And I'm like, I've got to put it down. He's like, no, we're, that, like, we're close. I'm like, I'm going to pass out. He's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I start to lose my shit because your, your brain just starts, like, it pretty much stops functioning. You're going, like, fight or flight. Yeah. And then I'm, like, starting to lose my shit. So we put it down, pick it up, pretty much, like, give me a couple of seconds to, like, get myself together, get it over the car. I get there and I'm, like, just fiendish through my pack looking for anything I can just demolish. And then, luckily, Steve had cans of Coke in his car as well. So I end up having a lot, a lot of sugar. Yeah. But I needed that because we still had two more deer to get out. So got the got the sugar back up, got straight back into it. Yeah, five, ten minutes later, it's like I'm a different person. Yeah, so it doesn't take long for it to uh, sugar to kick over. Yeah, it just depends on the amount because if you have what well, it's it's easy for a medical professional to say, oh, you can only have fifteen grams of sugar. Yeah. When you get into that like the fight or flight mode, your brain doesn't care about fifteen grams of sugar. It doesn't care about having to deal with the rebound. It's like it's just it wants it. But there's been times where I buy like a whole bag of lollies. I'll demolish like 140 grams of sugar because yeah. it's just like you feel like you're gonna die. It's it's not a great feeling. Oh, but, I bet. But yeah, you just get that fiendish and then yeah, you start to go up and then you can fix it after that point. And it's like, I'd rather fix that than, you know, just go roll over in a ditch somewhere and have to have other people deal with me because that's when they take your license away. Yeah. Yeah, so. there's, I, I think it's good to, to put it out there and talk about it just in case, you know, someone's listening that, you know, has just been diagnosed with diabetes. It's getting more and more common well, common like, these days. So people... You know, just say someone's going through it, they they know what to expect and they can, um, you know, manage it and don't have to learn from your fails. Well, funnily <laughs> enough, I did get, I got banned from a Facebook diabetes group that I was in because it was telling us about what our limitations were with all these sort of outdoors things. Yeah. And then the last year that I shot a couple months ago, I was packing that out up a hill, probably like one and a half Ks back to my ute. And I pulled my phone out of my pocket with like, 55, 60 kilo animal on my back. Yeah. And I've held it in like selfie style and made a video and I'm like, tell the other people out there think diabetics can't do fuck all. This is a deer I just shot that I'm carrying out up yeah. the hill. And yeah, I put that up on a page and yeah, now I'm banned and had my membership refunded and all sorts. So yeah, this independent diabetes group no longer uh, helped me out. Cause was that just because the dead animal as- aspect? I don't or- know if it was the dead animal or the fact that I said anyone that doubts diabetics can get fucked because it was in a direct comment response yeah. to a post where they were telling us what our limitations were and the thing is it's minimal you can you are your own limitation you got to know you really have to know how you work with things but once you know what your lim- like limitations in quotation very loosely are you can pretty much do anything like I'm, I'm planning bigger hunts and whatnot and i'm not concerned about them the earlier days were a little a little more concerning but now it's i've done all sorts of different things and i know what my limitations are which aren't much <laughs> so how are you going to cope with those bigger hunts say like New Zealand that you you were talking to me about before we started the podcast how, how will you um cope with that and what will you do to well I've thought about taking an EPIRB just as like an absolute worst case well you'll need to you need to take one no matter what whether you're diabetic or not I'd suggest taking yeah, one well that was that's a big <laughs> one on my list because it's like you know having medevac was the you know I got the um the Garmin uh, InReach Mini there, and that's 
an EPUB and you can text message from it um, through your phone. Suggest getting getting something along those lines. Message the missus. Yeah, well, that's... Send pics of Bob's and Virginia. <laughs> you can't can't receive pictures on these yet. Technology's not not up to that yet. But um, that's disappointing. Up your game, going. Are you uh, iPhone or Android? Uh, iPhone. iPhone. So iPhone have just enabled an almost an EPUB style um, uh, setting in the in the settings. So you can your phone's an EPUB whether you've got signal or not. Yeah, right. As on. well. So cool. look into that. Anyone that hasn't looked into that, look into it. I haven't looked into yeah, it because I, I carry an EPUB plus I've got the inReach as well. So Yeah, I didn't realise that was a thing. I'll definitely have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's only new within the last six to seven months ish. Yeah. Um so that's it's good for people to know. Um other than that, yeah, just taking excess insulin and supplies. Because my my biggest issue I find these days is like my cannula sites have to change out regularly. Okay. And when I get hot and sweaty, they I come unstuck. Yeah. And before I, I got a I got a little pump belt on now. Like most people see me, and if I bend over, they just see this random bit of like purple and grey camo, and a, a quick glance, it looks like I'm wearing a G banger. <laughs> so that's that's quite funny when people ask about my G, and it's like, yeah, it's my my insulin G. Well, but, you wear one as well as wearing well, yeah, the belt. Yeah, that, that one's hidden. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't show off the bright pink one to everyone else. But, but no, the, now that I've got the pump belt, it doesn't happen as much. But my, my actual cannula hose used to get caught on everything like okay. in my pocket. Yeah. So now that I've got that on the belt and it's hidden under my jumper and my shirt, it doesn't really get caught on anything. But that was a big thing because it get caught on sticks, rifle, all those sort of different things. So, yeah, after getting the, the pump belt, that's... that's How does it go with issues. like the waist belt of... A hunting pack when you got it on. Well, because it is just a belt, you can just swing it around one way, left or right okay. or whatnot. But I usually pull it up higher. Yeah. And then yeah, put my belt for my waistband like, oh, like underneath it. Yeah. So that's sitting on the waistband. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it fairly uncomfortable for doing something like that? And it's just something that you have to put up with, or well, you don't notice it? I only notice it if I put a cannula sight in too low so that my waistband rubs on that and then that that's another way they come out but quite often you know you're out hunting you got multiple layers on so by the time i got my undershirt on it kind of just gives me that second skin yeah and holds everything in so it's not much of a concern but i um, more often than not i set them high because it's just it doesn't rub with seat belts and all sorts of other things either okay so it's yeah it's just more of a general so you'll need to take like a little bit more out with you yeah like insulin the different um the patches that you were yeah, saying, the cannulas, cannula yeah. patches yeah, so and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's all pretty, pretty lightweight. So you can, yeah, they, they weigh next to nothing. And then the thing is, depending on where you're having fires and whatnot, it, most of it's still just paper anyways. And you yeah. just burn all the different bits and pieces. So, you know, as you use it, excuse me, it'll get lighter. So it's, you're not carrying much little sharps container, like the whole lot would weigh a couple hundred grams. Okay. Yeah. So it's negligible. Like I'm, I'm a giant, I don't, don't really notice that. I've been been lugging around an eight kilo rifle the last three four years. You it's, will over there when it comes to the um to the elevation, it hits you so hard. Look, I drink to. I drink Murray River water. I'll be fine. That will make you far from fine. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm growing a third arm and a fourth leg. So you know. I thought you had that to start off with. <laughs> no, that's just three legs. Uh. So, what are your top five dream animals? Dream animals. Well, I've always, always wanted a tar. So, I was, you know, pretty envious when I, I saw yours earlier this year. But, nah, tar, chamois, 
wolf, moose. And then, look, it's some people find it a bit, like, unethical, but I wouldn't mind one of the game, like, Big Five from Africa. Obviously, can't bring any of them back, but, you know, just going on African safari, like, Steve and Richard have got plenty of contacts for, for doing that, so... That it's that's definitely something on the list, but I don't. I haven't got a specific African game that I would, would want to take. What about mo- with your moose? Where what do you have a spe- like particular country or state that you want to take it in? Or no idea. It's just always been like you know playing video games and whatnot. It's and then seeing some of the crazy ones you see on Instagram on the different hunting pages. It's just it's given that goal, but it's not there yet because I I'm currently putting a lot of my money my money into my business. Yeah. So it's like trying to make set myself up as well because we're planning for another kid. So that's, like, again, another big, big step. So we're going through that at the moment. So the the hunting kind of – it's not getting put on the back burner, but the bigger trips, yeah. they'll, be, they'll be, like, spread out over time. Yeah, that's what what it is here. So I, <laughs> that's I'll, just part of having, having kids and being married. Because obviously I want my – my six Australian deer, because yep. who doesn't want the Grand Slam? But what are you at with the... I completed fallow. Fallow? So I'm, yep. I'm good for fallow. And then, yeah, I've got a few connections for some nice samba. Yep. And then, yeah, trying to get out now at the moment for some red. Yeah, so. beautiful. And then, yeah, obviously the hog deer ballot's just open, so I'll be putting in for that. And then, yeah. Have, for, have you put in for it yet? Or not yet. Not? I've got plenty of time. It's open to what, end of October, isn't it? As soon as I've seen it, I'll put in for it, so... Yeah, I was looking at it, I'm like, I should really get my computer out, pull my computer out, and it's flat, and I'm like, oh, where's the charger? It's still on your phone. No, I don't like doing that stuff on my phone. <laughs> well, no, because some of those pages, like, they're, they're pretty they're pretty bricks and mortar. They're not they're not very I, solid. I, 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 I like got a whole deer tag out of it last year. <laughs> I, I, like, I like my laptop for that sort of stuff. It's just a bit easier to, to move around on. Like, call me old-fashioned, even though, what, about eight years you see, um, you're younger. Five. Five. I've only just turned 30, buddy. Oh, okay. Jeez, Sorry. easy up. Stab in the chest. <laughs> um, but yeah, for those that haven't, don't know, um, yeah, the hog deer ballot's now opened up for 2024, so... So when you fill out your details, put down Hayden Wondell for a Murray Bridge, <laughs> and yeah, just make sure the tag comes to me. Thanks. Appreciate that. I think there's a few people that are that are pretty pretty keen on it uh, for next year's draw. I know... Uh, Oh mate, Cody's pretty keen on it. He was pretty pretty sour and dirty on me for for drawing it this year. Well, it's going to sound bad, but I'm pretty sure my missus already put in for one. So because <laughs> I mentioned to her while I was driving the other day, yeah. and she was doing something on her phone, so I think she's already got one. But I haven't even done mine yet. So yeah, if she gets hers, she doesn't need a firearms license or rifle. So I'll have to be a her little side bitch to carry all that stuff. But <laughs> yeah, that'll be. Yeah, if be, she draws be, it before you, you you'll be guarded. Yeah, look, I, I would, but I wouldn't be because it'd be like, it'd be a great opportunity for her and she'll see some of like, the hard, hard effort you put in. Because like, she's seen some of her hunts where I've walk, walked out, sat down, there's been a deer in five minutes, shot it, gutted it, we're back and it's still daylight yeah. for two hours. So she's seen some of the easy hunts. She's seen some of the ones where we've done 15, 20 Ks in the morning. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, if we're, we're hunting hog, it's just different bucket to come. Oh, it is. It's it's insane. It was hard. Like there was more effort that went into organising that hog deer hunt than it was for organising the New Zealand hunt. Yeah, but you wouldn't have done that without me wiring your spotties because yeah, you, you no, wouldn't have been able to drive down no, there. So, no, you know, no. it was me for the assist. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> assist. 
Yeah, those fuckers kept on burning out beforehand. Heading down to the southeast, they stopped working. <laughs> Multiple sets of King's lights through one wiring system. All of it burnt out. Not King's lights. The lights weren't um, no, King's, but, that was a but the wiring harnesses. was. Yeah. <laughs> so, what about Wolf? Any particular state or anything with that? Or any particular method? Rifle, bow... Uh, probably rifle. I'm, yeah. I'm more of a rifle hunter than a bow hunter. I, I try tried for a while before I got my guns. Um, and yeah, it's it's satisfying when you hit that target, but when you watch a $35 carbon arrow just smash into a rock and shatter and just <laughs> also destroy the point and everything else, it's like, uh, and it's like oh, I bought a brick of 22 for 50 bucks and now I've got 500 rounds I can shoot at shooting. It's like, it was kind of a, it was an easy step because... Yeah, look, I reckon hunting with a rifle is a hell of a lot easier than with a bow. And obviously, yeah. it's it also limits you for your distances as well. Um, but I've got a good mate who's got a uh, Samba property for uh, only bows. Yeah, so awesome. So he's like, as long as you can shoot 20 metres, you'll be fine. Because he said that's that's about the furthest he's had to shoot. Yeah. Because they're just, they're right on, like, he just sits in a spot. They come past, he knows where they are. He puts so many hours into getting his properties. And yeah, now he's he's got good spots. So Yeah, beautiful. That will be on the card soon. For that'll be pretty satisfying. That'll be my first big game bow kill. So that'd be, yeah, that'll be a dream. What about the African Big Five? If you, you know, flip for it, what what would it come down to? What would your top one out of those African Five be? I don't know. It's like anything. No judgment. It, it feels so taboo because there's so many people that go against it. But if you look into the the amount of money it actually puts back, and the fact that they would have been hunted to exi- like yeah. extinction without the programs, it's I don't know. An elephant would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I have to admit. Um, I just recently got back from Phuket, Thailand, and you know we went to the elephant tour, and you know we had to rub mud all over them, get them all dirty, and then go go swim and wash them all off. And I'm just like, where would, you know, their skin, <laughs> skin's pretty thick. I'm like, where would my arrow go? Where would I have to? <laughs> oh, it's like the that short, it's either a, a TikTok or a reel, but um, there's obviously deer at this place and they're all used to being touched and patted and stuff. Yeah, and this guy just walks up to it. Yeah, just like, where's my shot? It, poke, kill spot. It's yeah. like, oh. who, who isn't <laughs> thinking that when you're looking at it though? It's like, oh. Yeah, like feeling the skin on an elephant. No, it's pretty. It's yeah, it's we, pretty hectic. We did the same thing in Cambodia. But yeah. Like, didn't didn't get the muddy, but yeah, you'd you'd feed it a pineapple and climb on it, and then go for like a massive safari tour on it. And yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. Was we didn't awesome. ride them. We just muddied them up and took took them for a bath. And but yeah, they're a, they're a huge animal, and then they're smaller compared to the to the African elephant. So you, yeah, you can only imagine how yeah, how crazy they are. Yeah, <laughs> made, made in Asia. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, that it, it did cross my mind. I'm like, I wonder how well these taste. <laughs> well, look, they, they seem to eat them, and I suppose it's like a lot of things. It depends how you cook it yeah. and how the meat is, because you know, there's some people that think that um, venison's horrible. It's like, well, it's again, it depends how you cook it. But crocs the same. Like you can get a nice piece of croc meat, you overcook it, and it's just yeah. like a, it's like a. Combination, it's like the texture of beef, but the taste of chicken. Yeah, but it's like a nice piece of beef. Like you burn a good steak, and it's going to be a crap steak. You can you can buy a two hundred dollar piece of meat, and it's going to taste like crap. Yeah, no, crocs are not too bad from what I've had anyway. So I've eaten some crazy ones. Well, not too crazy, but like different. I've eaten emu, snake, croc. Yeah, what else? Wombat, wallaby. Like we had a. Um, uh, indigenous group come in when we're at school and they brought in all this different food and all these people like all the kids in the class just sitting there going oh this is disgusting but 
I grew up camping and doing all sorts <laughs> of weird stuff like that anyway. So it's like, oh yeah, got to try it, see what it's like. And then like, I didn't didn't have one that was bad, but they put them in the easiest way to eat any different new meat. And yeah. They made sausages out of all yeah. of it. Because I feel like that's the, the least. And they would have cut it with pork more than likely anyway, Probably, or yeah. chicken or whatever. Yeah, something something that Westerner people be happy with. But Yeah, I, I um, killed and cooked a rattlesnake while I was in Mexico and they're definitely interesting eating. Like I wouldn't not eat it. Did you keep the rattle? No, unfortunately. I, I wish I did. I wish I skun it and tanned the skin. Because but... I never never thought much about that being like a, a trophy yeah. off of one, but then I was, you know, it might sound a bit soy boy, but I was watching Yellowstone. He pulls out the box. It's got the rattle in it. And I'm like, that's a fucking awesome idea. Like, Cool skin, man. Cool. Yeah. Like we cut off their head straight away. But what was really good is those American bullfrogs. Yep. They are so good eating. Like they were really, really good. Oh, we ate all that weird stuff in Cambodia. Like you'd, you'd be on the on the side of the road and for like a US dollar, you'd get a two or three kilo bag of fried crickets and they taste like barbecue chips, uh, which everyone's going to be like, oh, it's disgusting. It's like they do. They taste like barbecue chips. But then same deal, like you drive a few k's down the road because you know, you're not going very fast because the roads there aren't like a, a sealed highway there. Yeah. They've got car swallowing holes left, right and centre. But yeah, you, you pull over at the next one of these random little rinky-dink cooking on the side of the road and you'd see all these frogs that had been fried. I was like, oh yeah, I'll try a frog. They are. They're amazing. Yeah. Um, speaking of foods, what's your favourite thing to cook with hunted hunted food? Well, I reckon the best meal I cook with my venison would be my Tuscan venison meatballs. Okay. I, I haven't had anyone come around that I've made that for that's complained, but I won't ever tell them that it's venison until they've eaten it. Because, <laughs> you, you no, you, you get people that, oh, what are you cooking for dinner? And you tell them, like, oh, I'm doing venison. They'll just, oh, nah. Actually, like, they'll make up some sort of excuse or they'll put up a fuss and it's like, nah. I'm just going to cook it for yeah. you. You'll think it's beef. You'll have an absolute great time. And then you tell it, them And afterwards. then you tell them and then they're gobsmacked. Yeah. And it's like, this is, I've shot this, I gutted it, dressed it, I did everything with it, processed it. This is, this is like, it's not going to get any more real than this. Yeah, I I do that a bit, tell people, not, I don't tell people what it is. I had a um, ex-girlfriend I cooked a bunch of samba for and, um, yeah, she's like, what is it? I'm like, it's goat. She was fine eating goat. And then afterwards, she's like, that was really good. She's like, but it wasn't goat, was it? I'm like, nope. She's like, it was deer, wasn't it? I'm like, yep. And she just burst into tears. It's just, it's such a weird thing because I've, I've had a, a bit of uh, backlash from some people on my Facebook about the, you know, because I put videos up of yeah. a great kill shot I had last year. And yeah, that pissed off a few people. And then my first question is always, do you eat meat? Yeah. Knowing full well these people do. And it's like, yeah, but it's not the same thing. And I'm like, well, you realise that this is, it's wild. It's better. <laughs> and it's, it's not injected with yeah. a bunch of anything from the shops. You get it home. And if I were to freeze it and then defrost it, it's not going to lose half a half a litre of water yeah. coming out of it. It's it's in like the truest form you can get it. Yeah, people don't understand that they're that far removed from their food. Yeah. And then, the, then there's some of the guys we hunt with even that I make, I make use of everything. Like yeah. It's pretty much just the, the offal that goes and then everything I take. Like the whole carcass comes yeah. home with me. I cut that up because I've got, I got two dogs. i got a kelpie and i got a border collie. And they eat all of it. Yeah, so, see, I, I eat heart, liver, kidneys. I make bone broth from the, from the leg bones and stuff like yeah. that. I cook the ribs up. So everything gets... Gets yeah, pretty much used everything, and then I've been tanning my own skins now as well. Yeah, so awesome. Getting into that because I was finding, you know, there's not 
a heap of places it can do it or you're waiting for a fair turnaround yeah. for it. And the volume I'm getting them in now too, it's like, well, I might as well give it a go. Cause the, the turn- how, how are they turning up? Ah, oh, the first one I did was pretty good, and I got a couple more that I'm in the process of at the moment. I'll have so. to uh, drop you some fox hides off after after this weekend to oh, get done. I, I don't have a fox hide. I got a shrunken fox head and fox tail, but I don't don't have a hide in here yet. So, well, funnily enough, I did skin that that fox that was hanging in the tree. I have like that wasn't just getting a veterinarian checkup as I commented. Yeah, no, I, I fully fully skinned that out, and yeah, that's that's on my my list of things to do this week. So. Cool. See how that one comes You'll out. You'll have to uh, tag us in the uh, photos of how it comes out. I'm keen to see. I'll tag you if it comes out good. If it doesn't come out good and there's no post, you'll know that it didn't come out good. <laughs> no, there'll be plenty more foxes in the near future, so I'll have more opportunity. But it's it's also about the skinning experience too because I feel like every every time I've skinned another animal, I've gotten a lot quicker. Yeah. Like the first one I did probably took me about three hours, and now I'm getting down to like half hour, but there's nothing on them. Tails yeah. coming out complete. It's... Yeah, it's, it's getting there. It's good. Speaking of public views, how do you see the public views on hunting? Well, from the people that I surround myself by, it's good because I've culled out most of the people that <laughs> don't don't support it because it's just sick of dealing with the same issues. Yeah. But I feel like in these, like through pandemic times and things, a lot more people were opening their eyes to it. Yeah. And then with even with changes, not in laws about hunting, but with Victoria changing the laws and being able to grow your own produce in your house, I feel like that put people a bit on their back foot. Yeah. And they're a bit more like, well, where's it going to end? Because if I can't even grow my own vegetables at my house, like where where's the end goal? And I think that's kind of changed a few people's opinions on it. And I think it's... Yeah, I think those, those ones were a bit misconstrued. Same with the sharing game meat type thing. Just, I think a bunch of it was misconstrued, but you know there is that intent intention from some of these politicians. Oh, like some of them, you know, fifteen minute cities. You own nothing, you'll be happy. Yeah. So it's I, I can't see me conforming to that, and I can't no, see any I'm, of the rest of I'm us. I'm not one to conform. So no, nah, it's it's <laughs> not going to happen. So. Yeah, there's, there's some people that, you know, they're they're hard against it. They're green vegans that, you know, they want to drive their electric cars. But as an electrician myself that's worked in, in heavy industrial work, how do you think all these electric cars yeah. are getting charged? And as much as they want to say it's all solar, well, just being a part of one of the biggest gas plant builds. And that's all to backfeed the grid with byproduct gas from the plant <laughs> to feed the grids. Yeah. So it's, well, as much as you want to say, yeah, it's all clean green energy, it's not. It's still coming from your, your fossil fuels and gas. So it's... Yeah. You know, it's it's still like it's a it's a bait and switch, like that's easy way of putting it. It's, and then yeah. solar panel life, and then windmill life. And, well, and then it's the know. amount of mining that goes into the the resources to make the electric vehicles and the lithium. And then yeah. you know you got limitations with recycling lithium and the the fire hazard that comes from them. Like for instance, the uh, the new CFS trucks that they're getting, they're getting more electric over them. And it's like, well, electric fire and water <laughs> don't mix. Yeah, too. it's it's a bit questionable. But hey, look, we'll. <laughs> We'll see how they go because yeah. they, they could have some new beauty technology that we haven't heard about that's like all hush-hush or something. You never know. We'll see. But yeah, it's exactly <laughs> all. You just got to let it play out and see how it goes. So how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? Well, it would be nice if the, like it, it comes back to the, the more broad uh, look on firearms themselves yep. like you know a lot of people have a negative stigma about guns because they're you know they're so dangerous it's like well if you if you lean a broom up against the wall is it going to mop the floor like it's going to sweep the floor yeah no it's not if you put a gun up against the wall is it going to go on a mass shooting no it's not 
So it's like, well, guns aren't scary. It's just the introduction to them needs to be done properly yeah. with more like open opinions about it. Hundred percent. Like for instance, in other states, like you have shooting as a school sport. Like for instance, one of our other guys we shoot with Jacob, he used to be able to do that at school. Yeah. And it's like that's you know, it's giving you that that pathway. But then it was recently, I can't remember his name or where he went, but there was a post done by a school about one of their students winning a competition. Yeah, I think that was Victoria. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, it's good to see that because, you know, most places wouldn't post that because, oh, you know, guns are scary and dangerous. And it's like, but in the the exact opposite light, it's you've got a student that's got access to firearms, using them like the rest of us law-abiding citizens for the right reasons. And it's like, why can't we celebrate that? Why Why is it so taboo? So it comes back more to firearms first than it does to hunting because at the end of the day, if they want to ban hunting, they're going to, they're going to come for guns first. Yeah, exactly. And last of all, what is hunting to you? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's so many things, but like, like I touched on before about our podcast, it's, it's a good way of like just having clarity, like clear mental health. Like it's, it's good to be out in nature away from electronics, just back to raw mother nature. And it is, it's, my, when I shot my first year, I had that many different emotions run through me. It's not funny. And it was at a quite deep time in my life too. And it was like, I just needed it. I needed yeah. to be back to like raw nature. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I did take an animal's life. It's a pest to the farm that we shot it on. But then I've got myself meat for half a year. Yeah. So it's it's just so many good things. And like I was saying before, it's, it's not like you go to a shop and just buy a meat and you're so disconnected from your food. And then it's, yeah, it's injected with a bunch of water and stuff to make the weights up or change the color of it or it is what it is. Like it's what you've got and what you've shot and how you process it is exactly the outcome of what you get. Yeah, exactly. You've worded that well. So if people have enjoyed what they've listened to, where can they find you and where can they find this podcast that's in the works with uh, Sassy? Uh, so my Instagram is heydj98, so H-A-Y-D-J-9-8 because I'm a child. So that's... <laughs> Yeah, born and born and bred ninety eight. Uh, that's on Instagram, um, and our podcast will be outdoors and beyond. We haven't got any of our socials live. I've made them, but they're not live yet. Hurry up and get them so, live. Yeah, it'll it'll so, still be still be a few weeks. I'll probably probably have them live in the next two weeks, and then we'll be posting in four to six. Get them live in the next week, so people hear this podcast and they can head over to the page. All right, come I'll, on, just do it. I might might even put a teaser after the logo just for you to tag in. Yeah, do it. Beautiful. (laughs) Anyway, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's been um, in the works for a while and it's the first in-guest podcast I've had in a while as well. So Yeah, look, we've been going back and forth for a while, but me working away has kind of made it hard. So no, I'm just glad to be here. Snake Island and New Zealand got in the way. (laughs) Jealous. (laughs) Not to rub it in or anything. Oh, I I felt that big. (laughs) No, anyway, man, I appreciate you coming on and um, yeah, looking forward to hearing the podcast with you and Sam and I'm keen to get you two on together so people can hear what you two are like together and uh, promote the hell out of it. Likewise, we'll get you on and get get your swing on our questions and drill you with a few bits and pieces and hopefully have a good laugh. Oh, I'm keen. That would be definitely a laugh. Anyway, man, thanks for coming on and have a good night. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our discussions and gained valuable insights into the world of hunting, fishing and the outdoors. To stay connected with us and never miss out on an update, please be sure to follow us on social media, all at Hunting Connection Podcast. 
We appreciate your support and would love for you to share the podcast with your friends and family. Don't forget to tag us in your hunting photos on social media and let us know about your experiences. Your feedback is invaluable to us, so please take a moment to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. Together, we continue growing and delivering more captivating episodes for all hunting enthusiasts. Stay connected, stay informed and keep pursuing your passion for the hunt. Until next time, happy hunting.